Good morning. Merry Christmas. Oh, you can do better than that. Merry Christmas. Let's stand. Sing everybody on in. It's good to see everybody today. All right, let's see here. Everybody smile. And I know some of you will want a copy to prove to people you went to church. So throw that on that seat back there. It's good to see everybody today. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. and glad you're here. Celebrate the good news of the gospel. We celebrate 
the assurance that we have of salvation through the story of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your great and deep love that you have for us. Thank you, Father, for your grace and for your mercy. And that our sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. Please, Father, help us never to believe the lies of Satan, but to believe your words from your book that says we are your children, and that you love us, and that your grace is enough. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
Thank you, Father Cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for the love, Lord.
Merry Christmas, Al. Merry Christmas, Kellett. My 43rd Christmas in West Monroe, Louisiana. Ooh, uh, tomorrow. Getting somebody's getting old. But I thought about it, how many times that uh, I've spent that right here with my forever family. I saw a lot of faces today. Uh, welcome home. Those of you who are coming back to visit. Uh, Bean Crosby had it right. There's no place like home for the holidays. Amen. Amen to that. You know, uh, holidays create special moments. Uh, you have those times, right, in your life when a certain thing happens and it clicks and you just remember that. Uh, when, you're, when your first kid is born. Uh, second one, too, by the way. Uh, I'll, I'll, get, I'll be in trouble real quick here. When any of your children are born... <clears throat> And that moment just clicked, and you just, boy, never forget that moment, right? Because we're going to talk about this living in the moment, not missing moments. Sometimes we're so busy trying to get the camera to work, we miss the moment, right? Those kinds of matter of fact, I, I, uh, I found a moment Lori and them I know won't, uh, didn't want to miss. They actually did get it on film. Uh, uh, we call it the Wee Wee video. Uh, that's because that's what they call her in the in the film. Let's just show that right there. Here's a moment. I know you guys will appreciate it. Dear Lord, thank you for family and thank you for our day and that that we fix the talk that Lily broke at Wee Wee and thank you that God's coming down and thank you that we're at church and thank you for everyone that is at church, and in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> amen to that. Amen. Thank you for those that are at church. Got mentioned twice, so I'm glad you're here today. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Carl Allison's great-granddaughter, right? That's pretty good. Uh, just a reminder, as we get started here today, the um, WFR marriage retreat's coming up February 16th through 18th. We'd love to have you guys there. It's going to fill up. It always does. So be sure and get signed up for that. You can go to the website. Uh, or you can see Ryan Lee. Is Ryan here today? Ryan's not here today. Uh, you know, Ryan's very tall, easy to see. And I have to say, I'm glad he's not here today because, um, you know, he really, I would embarrass him by telling this story, but he really saved me over in Africa. We'll, uh, we'll give him a copy of yeah, yeah, we'll let him know. A huge embarrassment because uh, eight days ago we were in Liberia together with Ben as well. And it's hot. It's in the afternoon, and we're all up on the dais, you know, you know, speaking. And and the African brother is preaching. And you know, the African brothers didn't get the "if you hadn't struck oil in 20 minutes, quit boring" speech that I got <laughs> uh, when I was in school of preaching. And so this brother's just going, you know. And I'm jet lagged, so I'm getting very sleepy uh, on stage. And so I'm starting to pray, Lord, do not let me fall asleep because I'm going to embarrass this brother. I'm, I'm this close to him. And he's preaching, everybody's looking up here, and this is going to be a great embarrassment for our church. So I'm praying hard, and just in that moment, God sent me a Christmas miracle. Because Ryan Lee, who's 6'4", he just crushed one of those chairs and went straight down to the bottom. So all the attention went on him in the moment. And it was, so, it was such a loud sound that even the guy quit preaching. He said, I'm so sorry, brother, I'm so sorry. And he's saying that on the microphone. Well, Ryan, because he's so prideful, instead of just rolling over on all floors and, you know, getting up and doing the thing, he's, he was flapping his arms. He looked like an ostrich trying to take off in flight, you know. I mean, a spectacle is what it was. 
So the, the brothers come over to help him, and, and now I'm wide awake. And so I spend the next 20 minutes praying that I won't go into hysterical laughter, you know, during the time. <laughs> but they didn't bring just one chair for him or, or two. They bought three stacked up for Ryan to sit on. So just <laughs> let him know when you see him, you know, what a joy we, he is. We've had me. a few of those kind of moments together. We've Having had a lot of those moments, uh, that's right. uh, And uh, I remember one of the very first trips uh, that Alan went on, one of the first mission trips, was to uh, Romania, and we had a group of us go together. And so he was a little nervous about you, a little nervous no, about flying. I was flying. a lot nervous. Yeah. And uh, so we we made it to uh, you know to uh, Amsterdam, okay, whatever. And so we're changing planes, and and we're going on another airline. That's you know, well, another airline. It was Romanian, Romanian the airline. The Romanian airline. Who had been under communism for so decades. So we're walking, and he looks out, and he says. That isn't our plane, is it? And it's kind of all dirty and pulling up to a gate. Yeah, that's it. And so we get on it and we sit down. And I sit in front of Alan. And uh, the seat's not bolted clear to the floor. And the thing doesn't work right. I'm trying to lean it back. And when it goes back, it goes all the way back. And I'm looking up at his face. <laughs> and his, comp- his face does not look, it's not full of confidence. Just let me say that. Well, there was a big glob of cheese on the window, too. I mean... <laughs> It's just not things we're used to seeing on an airplane, and Kellett's now in my lap, which is very uncomfortable. So <laughs> I decided right then I didn't want to be a missionary, uh, and I came back home as quickly as possible. Uh, we've had uh, a lot of moments to share uh, together. I-, I remember a lot of Christmas memories uh, right here two years ago because we've done Christmas Eve services since Mike came back, and uh, I was dying, literally. Uh, my appendix had ruptured. And yet I was still up here speaking to you guys, and I thought, man, I'm that much closer to heaven. People kept saying, Al, you don't look good. Your color's bad. I said, you look, should look at Kellett. He looks worse than me, well, right? Because I'm looking at him and thinking, this ain't good. It ain't good. But, and, uh, but he didn't, uh, in all fairness, he didn't actually know that was the problem at the time. No, I didn't know. That's right. You know, he, I, and I didn't either. I'm just thinking, suck it up. You'll be okay. You know, it's just one day. Come on. You well, know? we're in the duck blind two <laughs> days later and Jeff and looks at me and he says, dad, Al doesn't look good. I think we need to go in early. And dad said, yeah, we get him to about 11. <laughs> Robertson compassion at its best, right? Uh, but we, we have had those special moments. There are moments that just log in, you know, uh, weddings in your family. I'll never forget doing Josh and Beth's wedding and, and, uh, standing there with my son and watching his beautiful bride come down the aisle. You know, those moments just take your capture, you know. And you have those moments uh, when we were around Alton's bed when he was dying mm-hmm. and he was talking to us about the future of the church. Wow. It was know. just like one of those moments you read about in the Old Testament where someone is literally passing the torch. And uh, I'll never forget it. Mike and I both were so moved in the moment because... You know, one of our forefathers here at WFR was saying, you know, I'm passing the torch. I'm fixing to go. Find out what it's all about. Continue the work. And that inspires you because you realize that those moments are the moments that move you for the rest of your life. And today that's what we want to talk about. And we're going to kind of focus in on Mary, obviously being Christmas Eve, because she was one who definitely understood about living in the moment. In, in Luke chapter 2, uh, and, and one and two, we'll be flipping back and forth today. Um, whenever, you know, the, that the moment happens in, and Jesus comes, of course, it's with great fanfare because when an angel shows up, you know, to tell everybody what's going on, it's a big deal, right? So 
Gabriel shows up and he's, he's first tells these shepherds and they're out there because he's going to stir them up a little bit. And then the Bible says there's a great company of the heavenly host that suddenly appears and begins praising God. Can you imagine what that looked like? I mean, have you ever just imagined and tried to think about it? Because I don't know about you, I've never seen one angel, certainly not a whole host of them, giving praise, but that's what happened. And so these guys get so fired up that they go and they find Mary and they find Joseph and they find this baby, Jesus, and they're praising God. And and Mary has an interesting response. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She was marking the moment. I mean, she knew what was going to happen, but at the same time as it's happening, she realizes this is really going on. This is really happening. It happens again later when Jesus is 12 years old. He gets left at the temple uh, a home alone moment, you know, for Jesus. He's 12. He gets left there for four days. Mary and Joseph show up, and they're upset, as you can imagine. Your 12-year-old son's been in this huge city for four days, and he's at the temple, and he's sitting around with some teachers of the law and Pharisees, and he's asking these amazing questions. And once again, everybody there is amazed. Mary looks at the moment. She treasures it, it said, and pondered it in her heart. Can you imagine as she walked through now, those next 20 years of his life, through all the rejection, the, the miracles, the, the ministry, everything, to that moment when she was at the foot of the cross. And Jesus, who only said seven things, you know, when he was on that cross, and one of those seven was to look down at her and say, I'm going to take care of you. And he basically tells John, take care of my mom. This is your son. This is your mother. That connection. Because we think about Jesus as our Savior and the Son of God, but Mary looked at him as her son. And that physical, spiritual, and emotional connection is something that she treasured throughout his entire life. You know, I think for most of us, a lot of times, it's so easy to let Satan uh, infiltrate our minds to where he gets us to thinking about a whole host of other things. He gets us to thinking about our past sin, even though it's forgiven. He gets us to thinking about the guilt. He gets us to thinking about the shame. And there's so much in the Bible about, uh, the wise man said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And about the transformation that takes place from the renewing of our mind, thinking uh, uh, what God says about us instead of thinking what Satan thinks about us. It's huge. And, And so many times I think we miss out on moments in life that are great because we're not God conscious of him being active in our hearts and lives as well as those people that we are meeting. You know, every, every Sunday we meet together as a group and we have a, we pause, we have a moment that we think about called communion. And that's a, that's a huge moment for us. It was a huge moment for Jesus when he instituted this thing with the disciples. And, and now, now we practice this weekly to, to remember. And so treasuring up moments and learning to live in the moment, I think, is a great challenge to us. One of the things that I appreciated about the African brothers when I, we were there with them last week, you know, they, they live in the moment in, in a country like Liberia that's just shattered because of civil war. Because there's what, what future is there to think of? There's hope. But it's terrible. I mean, in the past, they were all evacuees, and now they're back home. And so they literally live in the moment because that's all they have. But in some ways, that's a great blessing 
you know, we worry about our 401ks and tax plans and we're looking forward and what's going to happen to the country. And as Mike said, sometimes we're trapped by past things. And so we miss these huge moments that God puts in our midst and in our lives. I love what the Bible says in Hebrews 3.13. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, sin can sneak up on you when you're only focused on the past or the future and you're not living in the moment for Christ. That's why it says we must encourage each other daily. And as Mike said, weekly. We come together, and one of the reasons we do as Christians is to remember what Christ did for us. And you think about it, all of our spiritual holidays are kind of rolled into the gospel story itself and this time of communion that we share together. We recognize that Jesus came to this earth to die for our sins. Therefore, that, that, that Christmas idea that he came here for us is we celebrate it every week. And the idea that he died on a cross for us, that he was put into a tomb, that he was raised on the third day, that he went back to the right hand of the Father. He said, as long as I'm gone until I come back to get you, remember me. And that's what we do in this moment of communion. It's a great blessing for us to be able to come together. If for no other reason than this. And I think on Christmas Eve, it makes it even more special of what we're doing today. Father, we are grateful to have the opportunity to assemble together. And I, you know, as, as, as glad as we are today to have the freedom to be here. At the same time, Father, I, I humbly ask that you remove away distraction uh, from our hearts. From more thinking about Christmas dinners or gifts or all the hustle and bustle of a of a crazy season for most of us we just want to really focus in today on what's most important we want to be like mary jesus's mother and we want to live in the moment now and we want to ponder and treasure the great gift that jesus has given us by coming to this earth by giving his life for our sins and taking away all of our past by giving us a bright future Allowing us to live in the moment as he mediates for us this very minute at your right hand. We look forward to his coming back. And as we partake today of these emblems that represent his body and his blood, we pray, Father, that our hearts will be pure before you because of what Christ has done for us. We pray this in confidence in the name of Jesus. Amen. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon
So 
That was beautiful, wasn't it? One of the uh, things I enjoy so much about Christmas is music and singing. Who else besides me has been listening to Christmas music since Thanksgiving? All right. You know, and in my truck, I sound just like Michael Buble. <laughs> Have you noticed that? I think you do. Yeah, just like him. Uh, in, my, in my mind, you know. Uh, I'm hoping when I get to heaven, I'll get a voice like Jan's and others. But um, maybe one of the reasons why that music has been around so long is that, you know, Mary uh, had a song, a song of worship. By the way, I know she didn't mention like getting a voice like mine. No, I've got that already. <laughs> I, I just don't flaunt it like you do. Uh, yeah. You know, Kellett said, Kellett was working at a gas station in Arkansas, and somebody stumped, came by there and they said, how do you get to Nashville? And Kellett said, sing through your nose. And so I, you <laughs> That's know. That's exactly right. Um, <laughs> There's not a sound system yet that can take the twang out of this, but we're working on it. So, uh. But I love your worship leading because you're so bold with it. I love it. Um, so Mary has this song, and it's, it, we sort of back up in the story uh, of where we started, and it's when she, she first finds out. And can you imagine that she's, you know, a teenage girl, as far as we know. She's young, for sure. And an angel appears. And says, you know, you're highly favored by the Lord. And and that troubled her because she thought, what does that mean? And then tells her that she's going to be pregnant and have the Son of God. Even though she's only betrothed to be married and she's a virgin. And so, you know, how would you react to something like that? Because you know immediately, I'm, I'm just assuming, that you begin thinking what other people are going to think about this situation. Because trust me, nobody's buying that you've been miraculously impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Nobody's buying that story. I wouldn't buy it today, would you? So she knows this is going to be trouble. So it's really interesting. The angel also tells her that her relative, Elizabeth, who is an older woman and has been bearing her entire life, is also pregnant and going to have a baby. And these two babies, of course, would be interlinked uh, for their entire lives, John the Baptist as the forerunner, also looked forward and prophesied about in Malachi, and her son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, who was also prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 7. And so immediately, as soon as she finds out, she goes to Elizabeth. And I always found that interesting because, you know, in that moment, I think she had to go somewhere where she felt like she'd get some support. And so when she gets there, it's really interesting. Luke chapter 2, verse 42 Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit falls immediately in that moment on Elizabeth. And that would also include little John the Baptist in there that's waiting to come out. And and she said to Mary, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, now see, she didn't know any of this information, but the Holy Spirit's telling her, would come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And trust me, John the Baptist came out leaping ever since and preaching the word. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises. Don't you love it when we have a moment of uncertainty, doubt, wondering how people are going to react to us, that the Holy Spirit can connect us to like minds? can put us in a moment where we get encouragement. That's what he did. The Holy Spirit comforted Mary in her doubts, and he did it through her relative Elizabeth and this forerunner baby she was going to have, John the Baptist, to let her know in that moment that this is a good thing. And you know what Mary's response was? She sang a song. In Luke chapter 2, the Bible says, talking to Mary's song, 
My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And she goes on to describe some of God's mighty deeds in Israel. She gives glory to God. She finds joy in this moment. And she connects humility to this moment. And she recognizes that the blessings come from God, not from the purity of her life, not from what she had done, but from God. Because she knew this was an act of grace and she had been chosen by God. And her response was to sing. And you know how how singing, you know, know, singing doesn't, singing logs something in your heart and mind that stays there for a long, long time. I'm sure all of you have favorite Christmas songs. But you probably also have favorite uh, church songs and songs that just all of a sudden take you back. Uh, I, I know a couple of songs that uh, to people that are close to me who have lost people and they use that song in a funeral. And every time they, every time I, I sing it from up here, I look out and I know there are certain sections that tears are going to come to their eyes. It's bringing back moments. One of the greatest moments uh, I was, uh, we were talking about this here recently. One of the greatest moments at Christmas, uh, Susan and I had and. And our family, we, uh, when the last Christmas, we gathered uh, the last Christmas for Ken Bunn. Remember, Starla? We came into the hospital room and we, we Christmas caroled for Ken. And back then, Ken couldn't talk, but he mouthed all the words to all the songs that we sang. And it was all I could do to sing them, I'm telling you. But there was a spirit of joy. It's a moment that's locked into my heart. Like those things that get treasured in your heart, like Mary. That moment, it's, it's, it's locked in through song. And uh, I, I can't, every, every Christmas, for Christmas Carol, I can't help but think of that moment in time and what that meant. And so much of it is just, it's a trust in an uncertainty. I remember when we first came here, uh, in 1974 and I remember dad saying because when we first he's a brand new Christian and I'd grown up in church because people had taken me in Junction City and Farmville and so I knew the songs and I sang you know because it was just you know how I grew up but I remember dad saying one of the hardest things for him at the beginning of his Christian walk was to sing I mean it just didn't feel natural you know, White's Ferry Road's always been a great singing church. I mean, it's been such a part of our heritage with, with Howard Publishing and the songbooks and Alton's love for it. And so, but Dad said, you know, those first few months, it was so hard. And I, I would notice, because, you know, we were kids, that he, he wouldn't sing. But he said as his heart opened up more to what the Holy Spirit was doing and guiding and leading him in it, it became so much more natural to give praise to God. And so that's what I love about the story in Mary. Is because in her doubt, in her youth, in her uncertainty, and to realize this huge now burden has been put on her, her reaction is a natural one to give God praise and glory. And so that's what we do this morning by our being together, is continuing in that praise to God. Let's be standing, please. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn. Joy. 
Our God is great. Amen. Amen. So you take another step back in the story of Mary. How does she get to this point of treasuring and pondering these moments of Christ, living in those moments? How is um, she able to worship and give God praise at a time of fear uh, and worry? It really starts from the beginning in Luke chapter 1. You know, Zacharias was receiving a similar uh, news from an angel, uh, you know, before Mary did. And so he's a priest and he goes inside to do his priestly duties and an angel appears to him and it startles him. And it says, in fact, that he was terrified uh, in the moment. You can imagine all those years he's been going in there. And by the way, nobody else goes in there except for him. So every time he's called upon to go in and do it, nobody's ever there. He does his job, he lights his incense, and he leaves. And so all those years and years and years of repetitive, you know, this is what I do, this is what I do. And all of a sudden, an angel is in there and gives him news that his barren wife is going to have a son named John, who is going to be the forerunner for Christ. Zechariah's response was, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. In other words... I don't believe this is going to happen. That's what he was saying. He doubted him. And Gabriel is offended. He said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And you're going to doubt what I'm telling you? So he says, I'll tell you what, you're fixing to go through a little nine month of hush. You're not going to be able to say anything, priest, until all this happens. And so from that point until John was born, Zechariah said nothing. Now, that was interesting because Mary's response was similar but different. Because whenever Gabriel comes to her and tells her about her being pregnant with Jesus, she says, how will this be? Not, how can I be sure of this? How will this be? In other words, how's God going to pull this off since I'm a virgin? But she does it knowing that he will. Listen to what Gabriel says. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. And do you know what Mary's response was? Complete surrender. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. So the way that you get to being this great person of faith and worship and understanding and pondering is first surrender to God. I think in uh, uh, surrendering, it's not something that happens one time in our life. Uh, it's something that we have to keep doing, right? It's like taking up the cross daily. Uh, many of you surrendered to the Lord at some point. You were excited. You were full of zeal. You were full of just uh, of ready to, uh, for an adventure with God. And, and as the years went on, Satan began to have a little, uh, win a little ground with you. And all of a sudden, uh, the surrender is not where it needs to be anymore. Uh, I think this is so easy for us when you've been in the Lord a long time, to happen. And so this idea of surrendering, remember what Paul said? He said you've got to bring every thought into captivity. You can't keep from having thoughts, but when you have them, you take them captive and put them where they belong. And so for when we surrender daily, the reason it's so important is what we talked about earlier in the lesson. You can't live in the moment. You can't enjoy the moment God's created and God's doing if you're not surrendered to God to begin with. Since when you start your day out, if you want to enjoy seeing God dip his hand down into your life and you kind of see how he works among people, there has to be this surrendered mentality about us. 
Because you see, we see things happen that are totally different than the world sees. The world sees something happen and it's a happen chance. It's a, it's a lucky thing. It's a way. We see someone come into our path and all of a sudden we have an opportunity to share the gospel and we, and we see God working. Don't miss that moment because you haven't been surrendered. You haven't surrendered your consciousness of God to Him. Have that total consciousness that says, I'm looking out for the, you're going to leave here today. Most of you are going to go eat somewhere, right? You're going to enjoy being together. Look for those moments that happen where God is doing something. You have an opportunity to be used by God to, to enjoy a moment that God works in somebody else's life. That's an exciting thing. Amen. That the next new person you meet may be your next spiritual bond and friendship that you have for the rest of your life. That's why I always say it's important about being in groups. You may not have met your best friend yet that's going to walk with you through the rest, uh, uh, the rest of this life and life to come. Look for moments. Live in the, Don't miss the moments. Being so busy running here and doing that and doing this and I forgot to do this. And, and I was thinking about this last night. I had, uh, uh, we had a bunch of people stay at the house. And so we do the blow-up mattress thing. We've improved. Used to you just flip on the floor, but we've upped it. You know, we've upgraded our house. We blow up the mattresses, except the pump wouldn't work. Well, that's trouble, right? So I make that night run to Walmart. That's such an enjoyable time. <laughs> but I kept telling myself I had this sermon. I'm like, okay, Kel, look for opportunity. <laughs> you know, look for opportunity. And, and so I, I meet this couple in line, which you could have met a lot of people in lines, long ones. But I met this couple in line, and, and we start talking a little bit. And she sees I only have one, one item. And she says, you, you go ahead. I've got a basket full. And, and I, have, I appreciate that so much. And so I was kind of in a hurry. I thought, you know, there are people waiting to get their bed blown up so they can go to sleep, right? And I'm one of them. So I'm getting to the house. And then when I w- walked out of the parking lot, I thought, Man, why didn't I invite that couple to church? I missed it. Even though I had been thinking about the sermon during the day, I missed that moment. And I hate that. That I could have, they gave me an opportunity. And I could have had a conversation about, I don't know what you guys are doing tomorrow morning, but it would be great for you to celebrate with. I I missed that. I don't want to miss moments anymore. I don't really, I don't want to. I want to live in the moment conscious of God being active. That takes a practice of learning to surrender my mind and my thoughts uh, to God all along the way. And they're here, Mike. You didn't know uh, on the back row. I met them this morning. Yeah. No, not really. But that would have made a, a story would have been a lot better with an ending like that. Um, what I love about this conversation is nothing is impossible with God. And Mary says... Therefore, let your will be done. That conversation, I look in the scripture and it fast forwards to Jesus telling his disciples that nothing is impossible with God. And then when he, in that moment, before, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before his death, said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Isn't it neat that his mother was already saying those words even before he was in her womb? That shows you the power of our Lord and Savior. Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Transformation gives us a complete surrender. And so we're going to share two more songs before we come back uh, and offer our invitation today about the completeness of what God does in us. Here I am, O God, I bring this sacrifice, my open heart. I offer up my life, I live to you, Lord, for your love that never ends, restores me
We're going to start this one without the team right here, okay? When peace like a Wednesday night, Mike told a story of a family that came here from Canada a few years back. They had lost a child. They didn't want to stay home for Christmas. And so they came to West Monroe. And they came to our Christmas Eve service. People were friendly to them and nice. They got invited to Christmas caroling. And as it turned out, later that week, they became children of God. And they didn't know that was going to happen until they came, until they stepped out, and until they surrendered. I don't know where you are today as you come here on this Christmas Eve. Uh, got a lot of guests, a lot of visitors here, a lot of family members. Maybe something about the story of Mary has struck your heart about living for the moment, 
about trusting in God in that moment, about surrendering yourself and being able to worship and praise God freely without things that burden your heart. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, the gospel we mentioned earlier about what Jesus has done for us, today would be a great opportunity to embrace him, to put your faith in him, to confess him as Lord, to commit to a life that will follow him and surrender to his will, to be baptized into Christ, to bury an old person and be raised anew. Then the Holy Spirit can give you that comfort and peace that we talked about earlier. So if you've never done that, I can't think of a better Christmas present to give to yourself than eternal life. And so we invite you to come today if you haven't. Or maybe, as Mike said, you just need to surrender again. I know I've had to many times in my life. And again, it's a great thing to do today. So we're going to give you an opportunity for that or any other needs you might have to come while we stand and while we sing. Just as I am with God.